right. What a great, great morning. What a great day. And now it's a, now it's a whole room. Yes, that's right. I can, uh, the front row is back to full, and that's a, that's a great, great thing. Uh, last week, I introduced to you a pastor from uh, Poland in the uh, Christian Church of Strata, and we just we talked about his church. We made a connection, and I told you a little bit of the, the work that he is doing in terms of the, you know, the flow of refugees from Ukraine that have just been pouring into Poland, well over two million. He's in this little town of 33,000. Uh, his church is full. They have some rooms that they could use. Uh, they have a retreat center that's packed with women and children, and he's trying to feed people, clothe them, diapers for kids, all the necessities of, of life. So many, he said, are poor. And uh, I had mentioned that we had sent a gift to him just in anticipation of uh, what this church might respond. And you know, you just, you went way over the top. And uh, we were able to, at the end of uh, this week, wire over another gift to him. Total is now $18,000. So God bless you. And uh, they, they are doing a, a good work. It's still super, super busy over there. I received an email from uh, the pastor. And again, uh, his name is uh, Zbigniew Hoynatsky. And he said uh, in his note, and it was brief, and, and uh, again, there's the language barrier, but he said, thank you so much for your gift. It is a great, great help in this difficult situation. Thank you that together we can be God's hands and his feet. I believe that through this help and the opening of your hearts to refugees, many of them will come to Christ Jesus. God is good, blessings in Christ, Zbigniew. So they're, they're still working hard. The gratitude is there. I know that uh, at the end of the week when uh, Todd Carley, our treasurer, had said, wow, it, uh, it's really been just overwhelming how much has been coming in and he said, there's, there's more. This was what could be done at the end of this week. So we know that the giving continues. And of course, the need does too. So God bless you. And uh, these are the, you know, the regards from Pastor Zbigniew. And I'm going to do my best to keep in contact and give you some updates as the weeks unfold. So thank you. And I'll pray for that church as we've done. Pray for the Christian church in Estrada. They are, they are uh, in need of that prayer. Let's pray. I want to uh, invite you all to, as we come close to Holy Week, during Holy Week, if you would take time to even fast and pray. And on the Wednesday of Holy Week, we're not going to be having a gathering here at the church. So this coming Wednesday, we have the, a movie, the Sabina movie, uh, which is really timely. I thought that movie about persecution during a war, maybe we wouldn't be able to relate to it so much, but now it seems so time, timely. And then the following Wednesday is Holy Week, so please take time that day just to, just to fast and to pray. And you can pray for not just uh, the Christian Church of Strata, but God's church, our church here, and that uh, Good Friday and Easter services, there would be those who would be coming to Jesus Christ. So uh, please do that. And that week, we will not be having the Wednesday gathering. We won't be having a Thursday service. We have Good Friday service and then Easter Sunday, of course. And we'll look forward to that. So this, uh, this morning, let's get into God's word. We heard a word this morning about the Holy Spirit. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not uh, anything unusual it is God's word from the first sermon preached in the church. The very first ch service, Peter preached, repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
It's what we've been talking about. Ask for more of the Holy Spirit. That was the word we heard today. It's the words of Jesus. Jesus said, how much more will your Father give to them who ask? How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? We can ask for more. We can. And let's do that. We know that we've been talking about the stirring of the gift or the fanning into flame of the gift of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, he admonished his friend Timothy, hey, don't neglect the gift. Fan it into flame. And it seemed that Timothy was somewhat depressed and he, uh, he had not really tied into that power of the Holy Spirit. Let's do that. Let's take that word to heart. Let's be people who are filled with God's Holy Spirit. We have been talking about it. For the past number of weeks, we've been talking about the life of Jesus and how Jesus uh, exemplified what it meant to be a person filled with the Holy Spirit, a person uh, who had the Spirit of God resting not only upon him, but in him. We've talked about these things from the, from the birth of Christ. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was involved before Jesus was born, and he was born miraculously. It was by the Holy Spirit. Then he was baptized. We talked about the Spirit descending upon him, coming out of the water. Luke's Gospel tells us Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he was led by the Spirit into temptation, but he was delivered. How was Jesus delivered? The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And then in the power of the Spirit, we talked about this last week, Jesus moved on. We can have these devastating times where we fall into temptation. But when we're delivered by the Holy Spirit, we can move on in the power of the Spirit. That's what Jesus did. He is a great example for us. He moved on in the power of the Spirit. He went to his hometown. He went to the the area of Galilee, his hometown of Nazareth. He went to his hometown synagogue where he read from the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit of God is upon me and he's anointed me and he has sent me to proclaim the good news, to set captives free, to give sight to the blind, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This was a prophecy of Isaiah and Jesus said, it's fulfilled in your hearing. He claimed divinity right then and there. All those in the, the synagogue knew that the prophet Isaiah was referring to the coming of the anointed one, and Jesus claimed it. He claimed it. This scripture is fulfilled right here, right now. In all of these events, in all of them, there's an example for every single one of us, an example for spiritual life, an example for leading life with the Holy Spirit in us. The new birth by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he said, you can be born again, born of the Spirit. That's an amazing thing. And if you've never experienced that, he's calling you to that, to be born again, born of the Spirit. He was a model of being conceived by the Spirit. He was baptized, filled with the Spirit. We're called to do that. And, te and tempting and, tes uh, and uh, testing Jesus he was led by the Spirit. He had the Spirit with him. The Spirit will be with us in times of temptation. Provide a way out. Be a, a way of deliverance. And Jesus was delivered. And then he moved on. And we're called to move on in the power of the Spirit in the footsteps of Jesus following him. He's our example. He's our model of it all. Now this morning, I want to touch on another, another time in Jesus' life. And it's about two years now into his ministry. I want to consider an event uh, in his life after he had become somewhat well-known. Two years he's been preaching the good news. He's been preaching repentance, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Uh, he has become known because he has been doing miracles. And he's become known, especially to the leaders of the Jewish faith. And they want him eliminated. Their goal was to kill Jesus. That's what they wanted to do. And you read through the Gospels, you read it multiple times that they sought to eliminate Jesus. Now in this incident in Jesus' life, 
We're going to be in John chapter 7. So if you have your Bible and you want to put your thumb into John chapter 7, or if you have your, uh, your electronic device, open it up to John chapter 7. A little, uh, just a little background before we get into that chapter. The time of the year was the fall. It would be our month of September. And there was a festival coming in uh, the nation of Israel, a festival that would be celebrated in the city of Jerusalem. It was called the Feast of Tabernacles. Some call it the Feast of Booths. Uh, And it was a grand, grand, multi-day festival in Jerusalem. And the city would fill, the city would fill with Uh, the faithful pilgrims who would come from across the land to celebrate this great festival. It was eight days in total, and it was celebrated to commemorate that uh, after God had, after he had liberated the people from bondage in Egypt, he cared for them. He provided for them as they lived in temporary shelters. They, They lived in temporary shelters, wandering in the wilderness, But God was taking care of them. And they did that before they were brought into the land that God had promised. And it was for a whole generation, 40 years. The people moved about, living in uh, temporary structures, tents, other types of shelters. But God cared for them. He fed them. He led them. He protected them. He cared for them so much. You read through the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, where uh, these events are told and retold. God cared for them so much, their clothes did not wear out. Their shoes did not wear out. Imagine that. A 40-year-old pair of shoes, and the soles are still there. That's a pretty big miracle. God took care of the people while they were living in these, these temporary houses, and to commemorate and to celebrate this time that God so powerfully had looked after the Israelites, he, uh, he ordained this festival. And he called the people to construct and reside in these temporary shelters made of branches from uh, leafy trees or from palms. And uh, as I said, some called them booths, others called them uh, tabernacles. But on every rooftop... And in every courtyard in Jerusalem during this time, there would be one of these these little huts, if you will, a tabernacle. And over the course of eight days, God required extraordinary sacrifice. There was extraordinary sacrifice in the temple there in the city of uh, Jerusalem. Over the course of eight days, 199 sacrifices at the temple. And that was in addition to the daily sacrifice. And let me just give give you the numbers. Over eight days, 71 bulls, 15 rams, 105 lambs, and eight goats were sacrificed. In the Old Testament, you can look in Leviticus chapter 23, you can look in uh, Numbers chapter 29, lays out the details of all of this, this festival that God had ordained. Now, over the course of many years, uh, by the time Jesus came along, this celebration's over a thousand years old. And there was some additions. The uh, Jewish customs had added some things that weren't necessarily put there by God. One of the additions that had taken place and was part of this Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem It had to do with water. Water was drawn from a pool called the Pool of Siloam. It was a freshwater reservoir outside the temple. And each day, there'd be a gold pitcher. A priest would draw water from that pool, and he would bring it into the temple, and he'd pour it on the altar of sacrifice. The, The Jewish Talmud and the Mishnah, which are written in oral traditions, they record that this water ceremony was based on Isaiah chapter 12, the first few verses of Isaiah chapter 12. Now, leading into Isaiah chapter 12, there's a foretelling of Jesus Christ. 
Isaiah chapter 11 uh, begins talking about a root that springs up out of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, was going to come from the line of David. Isaiah prophesied it. In Isaiah chapter 11, it speaks of this root springing up, coming out of the stump of Jesse. It's a prophetic vision of the coming of the Messiah. And then in chapter 11, it repeats, in that day, says it again, in that day. What day? The day of the coming of the Messiah. So Isaiah 12 opens with those very same words. Let's read Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to get to John 7. In Isaiah 12, 1 through 3, it says, In that day, that's how it opens. Again, it's talking about the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So this passage from Isaiah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3 were significant. These were the ones that uh, would be recited by a priest or they would even be sung by Levites during this festival of tabernacles. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. It's not about natural water, though. It's all about the Savior. It's all about the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, in that day, God is my salvation. In that day, I will trust and I will not be afraid. In that day, draw water from the wells of salvation. Now on the last day of this feast of tabernacles, the eighth day, there was a great celebration, great fanfare. As the water was brought into the temple and it was poured on that altar, there would be a priest either reciting or there'd be Levites leading the way, singing these verses from Isaiah chapter 12, singing them. Now, in John's gospel chapter 7, it opens telling us about this feast of, the, of tabernacles. Jesus was in Galilee at the time. He was there with his family. His very own brothers they actually began to mock him. They were goading him into going to the festival, mocking him, saying, hey, Jesus, why don't you go to the festival? You know, your fans are gonna be there. You know, all those followers of yours, they'll be at the festival. Why don't you go there and do some good works, do some great miracles? They'll all sing your praises. It was mocking. And what Jesus told his very own brothers, you go, you go. I'm not going. And he waited. He waited till the fourth day of the festival. And then he went secretly to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, the crowds were talking about Jesus. They were talking about him, gossiping about him. They're asking, where is he? Is he going to be here? Hey, is that guy that's been doing all the miracles going to be here? Some said, he's good. Others said, no, no, he's a deceiver. He's a false Christ. When Jesus arrived, he made his way to the temple. And he began to teach. And then more talk. More people talked about him. More people gossiped about him. Some were amazed. And they asked, where did he get this? Where did he get all this knowledge? He teaches with such authority. Others said he's demon-possessed. So there was, there was division about Jesus. But he kept on teaching. And then he equated himself with God. He said, I know him. I know him because I am from him. He sent me. And that really stirred up the crowd. Again, this temple was full. It was a festival time. Jerusalem was full. 
This stirred up the crowd, Jesus claiming divinity, equality with God. The Jewish leaders, you read in John chapter 7, they wanted him arrested, dispatched the temple guards to arrest Jesus, but he was able to evade them. These were intense times. This is dramatic days in the life of Jesus. This is, this is intense, high drama. He's able to evade capture. Then comes the final day of the festival. And this is where I want to focus. It's John chapter 7. It's verses 37 to 44. Let's read about this last day of the festival of this, this great feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? They hadn't heard the story of Christ's birth. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. So here again, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. He was from God. Some believed, others did not. Most did not. For those who did believe, maybe the words of Jesus struck a familiar tone Maybe they were familiar with the prophet Jeremiah who had referred to God more than once. You read the book of Jeremiah, you read this phrase that God is the spring of living water. This is what Jesus had said. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow. Perhaps they connected with what Jeremiah said that God is the living water, the spring of living water. Or perhaps they recalled the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah declared that living water would flow from Jerusalem. Maybe that scripture struck a note with people and they believed. Now imagine the scene for a moment. Just, just imagine it in your mind. A city, the city of Jerusalem, packed with people, packed with pilgrims who've come for this, this great festival. Tensions are high. Jesus has been claiming divinity. He's been teaching in the temple now for four days. He's claimed equality with God. Some have tried to arrest him. They failed. Now it's the last day of the festival. The temple's full of the faithful. The bulk of the sacrifices have already been made. By the, by the eighth day, 189 sacrifices have already been made. So on the last day, there's only 10. There's only 10 sacrifices, one bull, seven lambs, one ram, one goat. That's it. The priest must have thought it was a vacation day. Only have to do 10 today. Whoosh, man. This is an easy day. As the water is being brought into the, the temple, this pitcher of golden water, they blow the shofar, it's a horn, it's blown. The priest comes in with this golden uh, pitcher of water. He's dipped it in the pool of Siloam. He's fresh water. There's a choir of Levites singing. They're singing the words of the prophet Isaiah. Surely God is my salvation. I'll trust. I'll not be afraid. The Lord's my strength. He is my defense. He's my salvation. With joy, you'll draw water from the wells of salvation. They're singing this. And that water's being poured. It's being poured out. And now picture Jesus. He stands up. He stands and he, he says, 
in a loud voice. He cries out in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Imagine that, as that water's being poured and they're singing about the wells of salvation. Jesus is yelling this out. This is no, no reference to natural thirst. Whoever is thirsty, come to me. It's not talking about being parched in your throat. Jesus is referring to what they're singing about there and from, from the prophet Isaiah, the well of salvation, the coming of the Christ, the Messiah. For eight days, the people have been hearing these words each day. Surely God is my salvation. With joy you'll draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, now couple this, picture this with the, the imagery of the priest. He's pouring out this fresh water. He's pouring it on the altar of sacrifice. Do you think any, any there were, were thirsty for salvation? Do you think any were craving something like immortality, eternal life? They have made 199 sacrifices. And 199 sacrifices, every, every ounce, every drop from the pool of Siloam, none of it is gonna satisfy. None of it will satisfy the thirst for salvation, the thirst for eternal life. It's only Jesus, only Jesus. He's not, this is not some docile Jesus sitting down unassuming, quietly teaching a few disciples. No, it's, it, it's a packed temple. And he's crying out on the greatest in the last day of the festival. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. What does that all mean? What do those words mean? You crave salvation. Jesus knows it. In, in us all, there is a craving, there is a thirst for salvation, for eternal life. In our human nature, we seek it. And we seek it through what the world has to offer. Yes, you crave salvation. And how are you gonna accomplish it? How are you gonna get a hold of it? How are you gonna take on this thing called salvation? Be fulfilled for, for, for eternity. Well, people seek it through the world, through money. Some yearn for more and more. They figure this is the way, this is the way to security forever. And if not money, some crave power or fame. Some chase after knowledge and education. Others uh, after social standing. In our own time, you know, the, the social thing is, it, it's like an epidemic. This social media where people are craving, craving more and more, more and more attention, more and more likes, more and more picks and pokes and thumbs up or whatever it is, hearts and such. Somehow they, I don't know, they figure it's gonna be, it's gonna be satisfaction. It's gonna be fulfillment. For some, it's entertainment. If I had enough, if I had just enough entertainment and pleasure, nothing could steal my joy. No, I'd, I'd, I've, I've reached nirvana. Some crave love. They crave the love of another, a man, a woman. Ah, oh, they ache for it. They burn for it. They yearn for it. If only, if only I had that person, then I'd be satisfied forever. All of it. The money, power, fortune, fame, knowledge, love, you know, it's a drive towards something. It's a drive to, to get to peace and fulfillment and enlightenment and escape. It's like an escape, a rescue, if you will. It's a salvation of sorts. And something, that's it. It's, this, is, this is it for forever. But none of it, none of it can bring peace or fulfillment or anything of lasting value. None of it. The great king of the Old Testament, King David's son, Solomon, he learned this lesson. He learned it. Solomon had a tremendous thirst. Tremendous thirst. And to quench it, he tried literally everything. Everything. You read the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, 
I've increased in knowledge and wisdom more than anyone who's ever come before me. Man, if I pack all this education into my head, that's it. Didn't work. So he said, I tried cheering myself with wine. Yeah, there's a great way to just self-medicate and kind of get out of life and, and, and have peace and fulfillment. He said, I tried wine and embracing folly. Didn't work. I undertook projects. I built great things. I built great houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I, I even built the Lord's temple. I made gardens and parks. I planted orchards. I made huge reservoirs to water these orchards. I bought male and female slaves and servants. And then I had a whole bunch of them born right into my own house. I also owned more herds than anyone who ever lived before me, anyone who ever led in Jerusalem. I had more herds and flocks. I amassed silver and gold to myself more than anyone. The treasures of kings were multiplied to me. I, I've acquired male and female singers, entertainment. Yeah, I went after that. I even had a harem, he said. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem. And he wrote this. I denied myself nothing. I denied nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. And guess what it got him? Do you think it got him salvation? Do you think that he quenched his thirst? The answer is no, he didn't. He absolutely didn't. Solomon wrote this, I've surveyed all that my hands have done and what I had toiled to achieve. Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. All of it's chasing the wind. Ecclesiastes 2.11. Nothing, nothing, nothing in this world brought lasting fulfillment. He had a thirst. He had a deep thirst. And nothing quenched it. He found no salvation in any of this junk that the world offers. He only found bondage. A chasing after the wind. Now, if we think we're going to achieve it through money or all this stuff of the world, nothing. It's a chasing after the wind. Now, think of these priests in the temple during the Feast of the Tabernacles. Sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. They must have been exhausted day after day. Man, I got how many, how many lambs do we got to do today? Wait a minute. How many? Wait a minute. Rams, we got to do 14? No, that's 14 lambs today. We got to do 12 uh, we got to do 12, uh, 12 rams or whatever. I mean, seriously, think about that. Think of the people. Eight days living in these huts. Sure, there was a thirst. Sure, they were thirsty. They had a spiritual thirst. But quenching that thirst, it wasn't going to be found in sacrifice. Sacrifice after sacrifice wasn't going to do it. They're living in these huts, maybe thinking, man, I can't wait to get back to my house and all these things. But you know, all, all, all that stuff in the natural, it's not gonna bring satisfaction. It might feel good for a moment, but it's fleeting, it's temporary. It's dead. What did Jesus say? Only me, only me. If anyone thirsts, come on, come to me. Do you thirst? Believe in me. A river of living water's coming. If you're thirsty, come, come on, get, come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And, and Jesus explained it. He said, this is the Holy Spirit. What we've been talking about, what we've been asking God to fill us with this, the, the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is real and he's alive. He is alive and he has sent his Holy Spirit to dwell within those who believe. The Holy Spirit is God. And God is this river. He's this river of living water. It's in him, it's in him alone that there will be satisfaction forever. Forever. The, the, the crave, the thirst, for immortality, it's only satisfied in Jesus Christ. And, and then he gives his Holy Spirit to be this ever-present reminder that the well of salvation flows from within. This living water, it flows from within because the Holy Spirit is alive and indwells us. 
He indwells us. All the, all the stuff of the world, all the people and the things and the money, whatever, it's never, ever going to, it's never going to reach that point. It's never going to satisfy. It will fail. It will always fail. Always let you down. Every time. But Jesus never, ever will fail. Never, ever will fail to satisfy. And if you've never come to that, Jesus said, come to me. He made this open invitation. Come on, anyone who believes, you can receive this. In that day, that's today. In that day, the day of the Messiah. You know what's today? It's every day. Jesus has come. Every day can be the day of the Messiah, the Christ. In that day today, receive him. Believe in him. Receive eternal life, immortality. Satisfy the thirst that cannot be satisfied in the world. Receive him today. Receive the gift of his Holy Spirit. He sent his Holy Spirit as, as this well of salvation, the guarantee of eternal life. And even if we receive him, you know, we live in this world. And, and those cravings can continue to draw. They can continue to gnaw at us. They can continue to pull. They can bring on a thirst for money or whatever. Popularity. People. A thirst, a yearning to be quenched. That can, that can happen to even to us. You know, again... Paul had reached out to his friend Timothy. Timothy, you know, what are you doing? Timothy seemed to be depressed. I don't know if, if, if a craving had come to him. But when those cravings come, when, when the dryness of this thirst for the junk of the world, when it heightens, and it will, it will, that pull, that draw, it will come. I don't know when it's going to come. I don't know where it's going to come, but it comes to all of us from time to time. And we can only find the rescue and relief in the Holy Spirit. This well that's within. That Jesus has, he not only promised, but he has given. We have said this for weeks. Stir it up. Stir up that gift. Don't neglect it. Don't let the gift of the Spirit just sit around and, and be dormant in our life. Stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fan into flame the gift of God. That is what the apostle wrote to his friend Timothy. And now we have this other image. We can stir, we can fan into flame. Now there's this great image of a river of water. These are all wonderful images of God because God is everything. We sung earlier today, God is light. Yes, he's light. He's fire. He's water. This image of a, a raging river of water, living water. So when you thirst, don't dam up the river. Don't dam up the flow of the Holy Spirit. Chasing after the wind. Chasing the things of this world. No, that's a barrier. That's a dam. Don't hold back the river of living water. Stir it. Fan it. Let it flow. Break down every dam that's in the way of the Holy Spirit in our life to lead us and to guide us and to help us and to flow out from us to add to the kingdom of God. And you know we can do that right now. I don't know if you've got a barrier in your life. I don't know if there's a draw in you, some kind of thirst or craving for the, the junk of the world. Because it happens. It happens to all of us. We can break any dam that's in the way. Can we do that right now? In a time of repentance, a time of uh, self-evaluation. This is time that we call the Lord's Supper Communion. Last month after our communion service, someone said to me, they'd never really experienced a communion service like that to do some self-examination and some reflection. 
And this person said, wow, I'd never really heard it explained that way. You know, the explanation comes straight from the Word of God. It's not me. It's the Word of God. The sword and the Spirit made this explanation. And I'll tell you, this person was really moved. I said, you know, it was, it was real. For, for like, it might have been the first time. But just think about what Jesus Christ has done. And examine ourselves. Time's open to all. It's open to all who are believers in Jesus Christ. All who have come, as he said. All who've thirsted and come to Christ. Our communion's open. Just ask if you have little children who can't really understand this, that you keep this from them. Let's remind ourselves what, what the scripture, the word of God instructs us. And this is the Apostle Paul. He said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. So let's be discerning with regards to ourselves. Discern the body and the blood of the Lord. He invited us. He said, if any of you thirst, come to me. And then he gave his life. Those who were seeking his life, they achieved their goal. And they killed Jesus. But we know celebrate it in a couple of weeks. He rose from the dead. He's alive. He gave the gift of his spirit. And yet we can be drawn back. So here we, we have this great, wonderful grace offered to us. Examine yourselves. You know, have you got any damn there in front of you? You got any yearning, any thirst, any, any hunger for whatever the, the junk of the world? Let's deal with that right now. Let's take a minute or two and deal with it before we receive this bread and drink from the cup.
Father, as we have not really taken it into our hearts what Jesus did for us, God, I just pray that we would be people who humbly repent and turn away from anything that we've placed in front of Jesus, that we have placed beyond his sacrifice, anything that we've been trying to achieve for our own selves and our own satisfaction. God, I just pray that we would be yearning for your spirit, for the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that we would be a people that would just be yearning and thirsting and asking for more of your Holy Spirit to be with us and to guide us and to help us and nothing of this world. God, may we be those people. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us as we repent before you for anything that we may see and discern what Jesus did for us. Thank you for that, God. Thank you. We know your word that says you're faithful and just to forgive us when we confess. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for this great time of grace you've offered. Thank you, thank you. Now we hold this bread high. We hold it high, God. We ask you to bless it unto us, this bread that represents the body of Christ. He broke it before his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, God. We remember, call to mind the sacrifice of Christ and the giving of his body. We ask that you bless this. May it truly be the bread of life. May it truly be. We thank you, God. We thank you. And we praise you. We ask you to bless it to us as we receive it with gratefulness and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat together. cup of blessing. God, your word tells us this is a cup of blessing that we bless, and it's hard to comprehend that this cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ, it's a blessing to us that he gave his life, that he spilled his blood, and it's the blood of the new covenant, as we read a moment ago, a new covenant, not that old covenant that required priests and sacrifices day after day. No, we've got the high priest, Jesus Christ, who gave his life once for all. He spilled his precious blood, and he gave us salvation for eternity. Thank you for that gift, God. Thank you for that blessing. Lord, bless this cup to us. And may it ever be a cup of blessing that we bless. May it be life, and may it be hope for all of us, God. Again, we receive it with great joy and gratitude in our heart, thankfulness for what Jesus has done to us. We just, again, ask your blessing on it, Father, in his name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. Shine upon and be great. 
and more of the Spirit of the living God, your Holy Spirit. The river of living water, well springs of salvation. Lord, may they flow from within every individual in this room, everyone who is tying in online. Lord, may the presence of the Holy Spirit endue them with power from on high and fill them. Lord, and may it be like a river of living water. May it be your river of living water flowing from every single one. I pray that desire is within each one for more of what you have, your great gift. May it be, God, bless every single one with it. Lord, with him, bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them. Lord, be gracious to each one. Lift up your smiling countenance upon everyone in this room and everyone who's, who is touching us through, through digital means, God. Smile upon them. Lift up your countenance on them and grant them peace. Peace from chasing after the wind. Peace from chasing after the world. Peace, God, that only you can offer. The peace that passes our understanding. Lord, may it keep every single heart, mind, and soul through our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And if, if you need prayer this morning, you want prayer, these altars are always, always open after every service. Avail yourself to the presence of Almighty God. God bless you. individual in this room, everyone who is tying in online, Lord, may the presence of the Holy Spirit endue them with power from on high and fill them, Lord, and may it be like a river of living water, may it be your river of living water flowing from every single one, I pray that desire is within each one for more of what you have, your great gift, may it be, God, bless every single one with it, Lord, with him. Bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them. Lord, be gracious to each one. Lift up your smiling countenance upon everyone in this room and everyone who's, who is touching us through, through digital means, God. Smile upon them. 
lift up your countenance on them and grant them peace. Peace from chasing after the wind. Peace from chasing after the world. Peace, God, that only you can offer. The peace that passes our understanding. Lord, may it keep every single heart, mind, and soul through our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.